Welcome to the Locking Castle podcast. This Sunday morning's teaching was given as part of the Disciple Making series. When you think that just a few verses earlier, um, he was talking about um, setting his face towards Jerusalem. In some verses, in some versions, it's like his face was set like flint towards Jerusalem. He knew exactly the cross was coming up. And um, he tried to tell his disciples at least twice about the impending rejection he was going to experience and that he would be on the cross. And after this, a few verses later, we've got that wonderful bit about, oh, well, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are so few. It's like, well, why do you put them off with these foxes and dens have business? It's just like, you're not helping yourself. But, of course, although it seems mad to us, um, it does absolutely, of course, make sense in the kingdom where practically everything is upside down, isn't it? And the point is that he risked losing three volunteers. We don't actually know if they signed up or didn't sign up after that, do we? It doesn't say, because he wants us to focus on what would we do in that situation. But uh, he risked losing those volunteers because he wanted to ask all or nothing of those people. He wanted it to be clear what they would get themselves into. Jesus doesn't lower his standards. He's asking us to devote everything that we are and everything that we have to him. And that brings us on to that image of Christ-likeness. Um, when Jesus calls his disciples saying, follow me, he's calling them not just to learn from him, like a student going to university or um, going to a leadership conference, um, brilliant as it is, he's asking for a commitment, a whole way of life, day and night, to be with that master. And he's no ordinary master. What he asks of his disciples is no ordinary commitment. He's asking us to walk in his footsteps and follow his example and be imitators of Jesus. And I, every time I come across that phrase that we're to be imitators of Christ, it just feels a little bit uncomfortable to think that that's even possible. But for God, nothing is impossible. And we need to rest in the fact that it's not about how hard we work at becoming Christ-like. It's about the fact that we yield ourselves into his hands so that it's not our achievement, it's God's power of transformation. He is the one, it's not our ability. He is the one that changes it. And we can't even imagine what it's like to be perfected. I mean, that just doesn't compute in my head at all. But the God who created us, who loves us, and has sent his Holy Spirit to work in us, for him, it is what he does. It's how he works through us. He will be given the glory through his people who allow themselves to be transformed towards likeness, Christ-likeness. So we're not just looking at being a Christian on the surface. It's about going really deeply to our core, our very roots. So we talk about our foundation on our roots. We need to be thoroughly committed I love that image of if you cut somebody through. No, that doesn't sound right, does it? But that idea of a piece of rock. (laughs) You knew what I meant, didn't you? If you cut through a piece of rock and it's got the words all the way through and the idea that we would be the same, 
that we would have the mark of Jesus. We would have God's image wherever abouts in us that you looked. But of course, we mean it in a spiritual sense. It's a lifelong process, discipling. It's a making process. It's about the things that we do every single day. And it's not about the actual things that we do. It's more about the way that we do them. So doing things in a way that means we remain constantly in the vine. So the importance, um, I love this quote from C.S. Lewis, who says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if it's true, is of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. So when we set out to be a disciple of Jesus, we need to decide what do we believe in? Do we believe that God created us, that Jesus died for our sins, and that he has uh, resurrected so that we have this hope of eternal life? Do we believe that? Because if that is the case, then it is of infinite and eternal importance. And to then be a little bit half-hearted in how we respond to that may not be sufficient for us to live in the fullness that God wants for us. So the only way to follow Jesus is totally. I think that would be the summary of this talk, really. The only way to follow Jesus is totally. So as we go through these three people that we've just um, met and have uh, almost failed at the interview for being a disciple with Jesus... Um, there's three different, slight different angles, but they amount to pretty much the only way to follow Jesus is totally. So the first one said, um, what did he say? I've lost my Bible verse there. He says, um, I will follow you wherever you go, wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. They're walking along the road at this point, and it seems to me that Jesus is saying, well, okay, you've just seen the, the big rally and the big crowds, you know, thinking, oh, this is a, a great movement to get involved with. Is it just a bit of an impulse and an idealistic response to thinking, oh, I'd like to follow Jesus, I'd like to be part of that gang? So he's kind of testing him there. Has he really thought through what it means to be on the road, to be a disciple? Can he do without the comforts that he's hoping or that we do get very used to? We've come into a warm church, very warm church. The lovely Graham, Louisa and Philip have filled us up with wonderful teas and coffees. And we've been able to share in this wonderful fellowship, part of our church family, with people that we know and love. So we're in a really comfortable place this morning we may have left some difficulties behind um, and may have difficulties to go to, but we, at this moment, are safe and secure. That wasn't always the case with the disciples. But he's not saying you've got to sell your homes and be out on the road and be uncomfortable all of the time. He's not asking for that. He's just saying this is a life of self-denial, not of self-indulgence. And he's not trying to recruit people into the family of God on false pretenses. Jesus goes to a lot of trouble throughout the Gospels to make sure we understand that it's not an easy life 
of being a follower of Jesus. There's a battle to be fought, a spiritual battle, a race to be run, there's work, there's hard things to be endured. And if we want to follow him, the world, the flesh and the devil will all be after us. Persecution, all sorts. But he's not trying to discourage us, he just wants us to know the truth. So following Jesus must be more important than our personal comfort. And sometimes we need to consider in our choices how that is playing out in our lives. Now, the second man thought that following Jesus was important. He actually volunteered. He said, oh, I'll come and follow you. But he said, permit me first to go and bury my father. Now, there's a difference of opinion about whether the man's father had actually died whether he was about to die or whether it was some years ahead. Um, The likelihood, I think, of him actually being out and about if he should be busy with that work of preparing um, funeral uh, arrangements is not really likely. So it could be that the tradition in the Middle East where a man would not really leave the family until he was the head of the family and then he's free to make his choices until then he's under the authority of his own father. So the likelihood is he's saying, wait until the time when I'm head of my family and then I can make my choices and my choice will be to follow you. And Jesus is saying, well, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So he's given them again that really tough choice to go against his cultural and family obligations or whether to follow Jesus. It's a tough call, isn't it? Not easy to go against all that we've been brought up to know. And um, and the the phrase, let the dead bury their own dead, we're talking about those who are spiritually dead. (laughs) Leave them to tend to such matters. But for you, go and proclaim the kingdom. If you want to be in the kingdom of God, do kingdom things. If you're spiritually dead, if you're not in the kingdom, then yes, go and tend to things of the world. And it was just reminding me that sometimes our family obligations are really, really one of the hardest ones to have to weigh up against. Okay, I've got a kingdom choice and a family choice. And um, I've got a a small example. It's not a really humongously tough one, but it was heartbreaking and difficult at the time. And I know other people have much harder decisions to make. Um, But my middle son used to play football, and at some point he went up into an age group and they played, instead of on a Saturday, they played on a Sunday. And I had to make that choice, okay, do I go to church on a Sunday, or do I go and watch my son play football? And I know it's it's kind of laughable that it's not a big deal, but as a mum you want to be able to encourage, support, and show your love, not to mention be the chauffeur. But it was really, really hard to actually say to my boy no I've got to go to church that is my priority it's not that I don't love you it's not that I don't want to encourage and support you but we have to do it a different way because it's not going to cost Sunday church and that was a really really difficult decision to make but the flip side or the positive side of it is that in that message he heard that church the kingdom stuff that putting Jesus first is what I do that is my way of making of dealing with decisions it's got to be that kingdom stuff first 
you do, um, honestly, I'm not just saying it's easy to make those decisions, and I know that many people would have much harder situations to, to have as an example. But God gives us our families. They are beautiful things where we have them, our wider families, um, people that we know, our church family. Absolutely, he doesn't want to make us choose him or them, but quite often we find that when we do make the right choice, it actually is the best thing for those people that God has sent around us as well. So the lesson we learned from the second man is about what is most important is family or is money or is status or fame or fitness or whatever it is what is it that we might risk putting as more important than God and his work in the world and then the third man he volunteers to uh, to follow Jesus but um, he wants to go home and say goodbye to everyone so this is a similar situation It's, it's putting that family first but actually that could also relate to any ties that we have Um, So old relationships, old ways. It's saying, well, yeah, I'd really like to be putting you first, God, but actually I don't want to close the door on my old life. Now, we've just been talking about a new season and moving forward into new mission fields for Graham and Carolyn. And sometimes that call might mean that there is a door closing. Sometimes it might mean that there is still a bond with the old ways but it shouldn't be down to us we should make sure that we offer it all to God and he's able to say yes it's time to move on or no keep keep it within your circle you're just extending your circle but the point is to make sure that it is God who dictates that and controls it and that we are yielded to his path before us not just because we want the comfort of holding on to past things things that are now out of a season. So again, we're being called to fix our eyes on Jesus and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So whether whatever our work is, wherever we go, we are ambassadors. As disciples of Christ, we're ambassadors. And um, we heard a lovely idea about when you're an ambassador, you have an embassy. And whatever country you're in, that embassy doesn't follow the rules of that country. It follows the rule of the home territory. So a UK embassy in Brazil would have UK laws on that little patch of land. So when we're ambassadors for Christ, the idea that we take wherever we go, we're on our embassy field, we are following kingdom rules, not the rules of the world. So that is part of discipling, is, is making sure that we follow the kingdom rules that we are stepping into. So Jesus is really clear that it's um, not an easy journey. He, he wants us to know that, yes, there will be joys. He does want us to have that fullness of joy, the fireworks that Kat was talking about just now. He does want these in our lives, but at the same time, he's not going to fib. There is going to be some tricky stuff ahead. It's a making process, which is, um, I've forgotten the bits and bobs. I'm just going to grab some things. I just want to give an illustration of, of the discipling journey. Now, 
Now, um, on the staff team, we were chatting, and it turns out that Cathy and Andy and Catherine are all cre um, incredibly creative. And I'm the odd muppet out, aren't I? <laughs> so, it makes sense that I steal their creative things to show you, so I don't have to show anything that I've not done. But this, isn't that beautiful? Now, I just heard who did that. Does anybody know who did this? <gasps> Elspeth is dobbing Andy in. It is Andy. Andy does this. We're such a tricky church to lead that he needs something to do with his hands to take his mind off us. Is that right? <laughs> but it's the most, and I do come and have a look at this later. The stitching is so neat and tidy. But um, if, you, if you're near the front, you might be able to see that it is a work in progress. It's, there's other bits and things that he's going to do. Now, Andy knows what his plan is for this piece of work. There's, I can see that there's some buttons in some places and not in others. So Andy knows what the plan is for this piece of work. He knows what he wants it to look like, just as God knows what he wants us to look like by the time we're perfected on our journey of discipleship. But we don't always know. We can be a bit in the dark. Um, this one is Catherine's. Beautiful colours. Looks like it's going to be really good. Any ideas what it is? Scarf, cloak of many colours. Let's see if Catherine can shed some light. So there's some instructions for how to make this, whatever it is. She doesn't know what it's going to make. Isn't that brilliant? I love that. So she's followed that, written down the instructions, and then ages later, after she's forgotten what they represent, what the, what the plan is at the end, um, and just in faith started on that journey without knowing what the end result is going to be. So there's something in that, isn't there, for us to take away. When we're thinking, God, where are you taking me? Why are you doing this? What is going on? Then remember, we don't need to know the finished result because it's God doing it. If we yielded into his hands and we disciple faithfully along with him, then we know that the finished result will be something wonderful. There's a lot of work yet to do, isn't there? <laughs> so there's that one. Elspeth did that. <laughs> you mean you're not trusting Andy to do this one? <laughs> so it's brilliant, isn't it? So this one is finished. And look how it is, um, if you permit it, it's Aslan. And so we could say that we're seeing an image of God here, aren't we, in the finished result. Well done, Elspeth. It's so lovely. And it just has this lovely bounce to it. I just love it. <laughs> So I, I just think it's really important that we think wherever we are on our journey, whether it's a hard time or an easy time where we think we know where we're going, 
back to that control thing. Just let God do what he needs to do with us, all of us. And that's a message to myself. And there will be the tough times, but we know that there will be joy. But that can't be our motivation for being committed to our discipleship. It's got to be because of our love for God. It's got to come out of the fact that we know that God is worthy. The little bit of him that we can understand is just so magnificent that we can't help but try our best to follow in the footsteps that Jesus has given us. And at the end of the day, we know that a church is not the building. I know we call it a building, but we, the people, are the church. And for us... The deeper our discipleship as a family, if we can encourage each other to go really deep in our discipleship, when it's easy and when it's not, then that will make the church a better place, won't it? It'll be more reflecting of God's qualities and characteristics. It'll make it a more excellent church. Um, So there are 100,000 different discipleship tools. There's a matrix that I've got hold of, which will boggle some people. There will be um, a simpler version. I think one of the best ways is just to think to yourself up in and out. Um, Where am I growing upwards? Where am I growing out in mission? And how am I growing inwards in discipling and encouraging, mentoring the people around me? We've done so many different things. The fruitfulness on the front line. There's the bells. Lectio 365. There's so many Also, acts of service. As we join in acts of service that help the church or communicate something of the church to those people outside, then um, we're helping in our discipleship as well. Um, So on that note, I do want to uh, put a shout out. If you like doing the Coffee for Commuters, that will be coming up in November. And um, attending things like the leadership program, the CPM, the prayer ministry that we've had over the weekend as well. All of these things help us to grow in different ways, and we can share them with one another. So um, I think we should just... Oh, and I've got a book here, Followers of the Way. There's um, some wonderful ideas about discipleship in that one. That's a spare copy. If anybody would like to borrow it, um, just please help yourselves. Let me know so we can pass it on. But I just think we'll finish with prayer. So thank you, Lord, for your grace that no matter how hard we strain, we cannot earn your gift of salvation. It is a gift of grace. But thank you, Lord, that you died for our sins to reconcile us to you. Thank you that you offer us a full and free pardon based on your work on the cross, not in anything that we do. And yet you say anyone who believes in you shall have eternal life and not perish. So, Lord, help our response be to follow you wholeheartedly. To the deepest core of our being, let us be focused on you. And we know that in your love and your wisdom, that will always mean that everything else in our life is well taken care of. Help us as we struggle against the world and the flesh and the devil. Help us to daily yield to you, Lord, to grow in our depth of relationship with you to grow in our commitment to you, to move from bolting you onto life that has ourselves at the centre into a life of shaping our lives around you at the centre of our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you help us in this growth and transformation. And thank you, Jesus, author 
and perfecter of our faith. Thank you, God, our Heavenly Father, who holds all things in your hands. Amen. Thank you for listening. To find out more about Locking Castle Church, please visit our website at lockingcastlechurch.org.